My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, Episode 75, 22 Ways to Improve Your Teaching in 2022. So here I'm going to share some things that you can consider, some things you can try, some ideas, and hopefully just get you inspired for the new year and apply a lot of the things that I've used over the years, techniques and approaches, questions to consider, and things to move you forward in your business, in your teaching. And if you want to learn how to move forward in all areas of your teaching and work with me one-on-one, you can send me a message to jeremy at quietmind.yoga. I am having some availability for new coaching clients if you want coaching in your yoga business. I've had some amazing success with some people I've worked with over the last year. And of course, been very fortunate to have a lot of success in my own teaching. So I share exactly how to do that. And that is the first thing I want to recommend here on this episode is something you can do in 2022 is hire some sort of help, either a coach or a mentor or join some sort of mastermind group. But having some sort of resource to bounce ideas off of, to get inspired, to ask questions, to talk to somebody who has done whatever it is that you want to be doing in your teaching and ask them questions and learn from them because they can help you avoid years of mistakes. Oftentimes when I'm working with people one-on-one, they'll ask me something like, should I do this or that with my website? Or should I do this or that with my teaching? And my answer is very, very simple, but it's based on years and years of trial and error. So I know that just by that one question that they asked, I'm saving them potentially years and hours and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of time. And that's the kind of benefit that you can gain from a teacher, a coach, a mentor, a guide, just like we have teachers in learning yoga, right? If you just tried to learn yoga from a book or by figuring it out on your own without a teacher, it'd be much, much more difficult. And of course, now it's so much easier to find these teachers and find these resources. So if you feel like that's something that would be helpful to you, I would love to talk with you see if I'm able to help you, see if I can point you in the right direction at least. So that's the first thing is having some sort of a coach or mentor or guide to support you in your intentions for the new year. Which brings me to number two, which is to set an intention for the year and review it regularly. So I like to write it on an index card and set an intention for the quarter and look at that intention every day, every morning looking at it. It's just a paragraph really summarizes what to focus on and inspires me to think about how I can show up to create that intention and make that intention inevitable. And it's going to be different for everybody. It might be a financial goal. It might be a personal goal. It might be a career goal. Whatever it is, have it written down somewhere that you can look at every day and have it move you forward towards your intentions and goals. So I can't really give you an exact advice of what it should be. It's going to be personalized to you. Maybe you want to grow your YouTube channel or grow your Instagram following or teach X amount of classes a week or make X amount of dollars a month teaching yoga, whatever it is, write that down and start to look at that regularly. So you have this question in your mind of like, well, how can I make this possible? Who do I need to be? What do I need to do to make this result inevitable? And I have a whole process I teach in my Mindful New Year course at mindfulnewyear.com if you're curious about that. But the really quick version is just to get clear on what it is that you want, then write it down, 
And if you're not clear, take some time in meditation. Just ask yourself within, like, what's most important to me at this time in my life? If you are just had kids, it's going to be different than if you are single. Right? So be mindful of the actual phase of life that you're in, the other responsibilities you have, and what is reasonable, but also what is a little bit unreasonable to move you forward towards what you want to be doing. And know that maybe you think it's going to be five, ten years before you're at where you want to be in your business. But if you keep moving towards it this week, this month, today, making small steps and progress, I think you can get a lot further than you might realize in a lot quicker time just by having that regular focus and attention on your intention. So that's number two is set an intention and review it daily. Number three is to take new yoga classes. So new teachers, new styles of yoga, getting new perspectives, new inspiration from new classes. Number four is to take new non-yoga classes, Pilates, exercise classes, fitness classes. You'll learn so many new things and get so many new perspectives from going to these classes. Every time I've ever gone to any fitness sort of class or meditation class, I've taken away something, some sort of insight or realization of either what to do or what not to do. So if you want some new perspective in your teaching and new ideas and new ways of approaching things, you'll certainly find that from taking new yoga classes and non-yoga classes as well. Number five is to set a 10-minute timer to just move intuitively. So as I'm saying these things out, if you're like, oh, I want to keep track of all this, well, I put it all in the show notes in the description so you can see the full list there in the show notes. But setting a timer to just move intuitively and listen to your body. So not using a sequence, not thinking about teaching, not trying to perform, not putting on a camera, but just getting into your body and doing what feels right for you. And that is a great thing to do for your own personal practice and just for yourself. But along the way, you'll inevitably end up finding some unique thing that you hadn't thought of before or some way of moving or some little combination of movements that feels amazing for you, and you'll end up wanting to teach that in a class anyway. But going into it with the intention of just doing it for yourself and your own embodiment practice and your own personal exploration, I think that's a really powerful thing to do regularly. I've gotten a lot out of it myself. There's been times where I just start a timer and just start moving, and I end up crying, and I end up releasing all this emotional stuff I didn't even realize was there. Or I end up getting really tired and realizing I was super tired and needed to rest and didn't even feel it because I was moving too fast through my day. Or there's just days where it just feels kind of steady and easy and just feels nice to move a little bit and it's not that big of a deal. So I'm not guaranteeing any particular result with this, but you'll find whatever it is that you need in that moment will likely arise from just setting the timer in the space and then doing it and not trying to perform yoga, not trying to do yoga, but be yoga. And number six is to take singing lessons. Now this might sound a little surprising, but this is something I notice in a lot of newer teachers where they have some weird habits with their intonality and their speaking voice and their teaching voice. They might do things like stretch out words when they're talking or use a weird yoga voice 
are all these sort of unnatural things that can really take away from the class, especially if you're doing them repetitively. And singing lessons is just a way to practice a sort of mastery and awareness of your voice and your projection of your voice, the pitch of your voice, the phrasing, the spaces in between the words and the sounds that you make. And when we're teaching, there's a certain sort of musicality to it. And there's always a level of musicality to any conversation, any speech, but especially as teachers. And there are some major ruts that people can get into of saying things a certain way and ending every sentence the same way and then the next sentence the same way and the next sentence the same way and that becomes this sort of da 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 and the whole class sounds like that and the students who notice it will probably not come back and some students might not notice it but if you're doing that every week it'll really start to be noticeable. I've been to classes over the years, like I go to, went to this one class uh, several weeks in a row. There was always a lot of people there. People liked the class, but the teacher was doing that same thing every week. And she was just not aware of it, or maybe she thought it was helpful in some way. I found it to be quite annoying and distracting. And it just seemed like a presentation or a demonstration of lack of self-awareness, to be repeating that exact same pitch over and over again with every pose and every few minutes of the practice. It, to me, it communicates a lack of self-awareness. So singing lessons is a way to increase self-awareness of your speech and your voice and really support your yoga practice in a kind of indirect way that you might not think to do singing lessons, but that can really help a lot. I've done it in the past. I used to be a singer and musician. So I found it to be incredibly helpful and supportive. And number seven is to do vocal warm-ups. So even if you don't take singing lessons, to at least do the warm-ups on YouTube. And these are the same warm-ups that any singer would do before performing on stage. And they're just great to open up your voice. So you have more access to different pitches more easily. And you've probably heard these before or done them at some point. You might do different hums or bubbles or mum mum mums and sort of a scale on a piano that you listen to and you follow along with your voice like mum 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 that sort of thing and just doing that again loosens up your vocal cords just like the muscles of your body it opens up the muscles of your throat to make it easier to have a more wide range of expression with your voice and more clear projection of volume of your voice, especially if you're teaching a class that has a large room and you need to speak in a way that everybody in the room can hear you, these things can be really helpful. Especially if you're teaching multiple classes a day, if your voice gets tired, or if you're teaching in the morning and your voice is not warmed up yet. These are all optimal times to do these vocal warm-ups, and you only really need to do like a minute, five minutes at most, and you can have a massive difference in your projection, your pitch, your voice, your everything about your voice just being clearer and better, a more professional presentation. Number eight is to take speaking lessons or read a book on public speaking to learn about techniques like storytelling and ways to weave themes throughout your classes and more of a story kind of approach. And number 
10 to go, or excuse me, number 9 to go along with that is to watch inspiring talks from teachers on any subject such as TED Talks. So these go hand in hand, but the idea is to learn from people who are masters of presentations, of holding space, of grabbing attention, of telling a story, of introducing information, statistics, ideas, and concepts. Throughout yoga practices, we are doing that. The main thing, of course, is we're teaching the postures and everything else is supporting that. But along the way, we could be weaving a story, a theme, an intention, an idea, a concept, a lesson into the class. And watching masterful speakers and storytellers do that is a great way to improve your ability to do that as well. So TED Talks, of course, just look at the top 10 TED Talks. All of those are tremendous examples or find ones that you really like and resonate with and learn from those to apply that to your teaching. Number 10 is to focus on a core competency to develop in your teaching this year, which could be anatomy, philosophy. Of course, I talk about 10 core competencies that I teach that include things like anatomy, philosophy, history, and so on, meditation. And what I have done in the past is there was a time when I felt inept at anatomy. So I decided to take the whole year to just focus on learning anything I could about anatomy getting all the books, or watching the videos, taking different trainings, working with physical therapists, taking the NASM CPT certified personal trainer training. So finding different ways to learn different core competencies. If there's one you feel you're really lacking in, you might set yourself a three month goal, a six month or even 12 month goal to focus on learning as much as you can about that topic. And along the way, I encourage you to teach about that topic as well. That's how you really embody it and learn it. There's a saying like, you don't really know a subject until you've taught it. And I say, when anybody's interested in yoga teacher training is, even if you don't want to be a teacher, the best way to learn any subject is to learn how to teach it. If you know how to teach yoga, you know how to practice yoga to an incredibly high level of skill. So if you want to be a better practitioner, the best thing you can do is become a teacher. And if you want to be more skillful in understanding anatomy or practicing anatomy or philosophy or meditation, learn to teach it. Become a certified teacher in that topic and you'll learn so much along the way. Number 11 is to buy three books on a subject and set a deadline to have read them or turn them into topics for classes that you teach. So if you want to learn about the chakras, get three books on the chakras. It almost doesn't matter which three it is as long as they're you know at least decent and they've got good reviews on Amazon or you've heard good things about them. Any book by Anadaya Judith is great on the chakras. And set a deadline to have read them. And really, the better deadline is to have turned them into some sort of offering that you create. So if you want to learn the chakras, you buy three books on the chakras and set a deadline by July 15th. I've taught a three-week series on the chakras, or if you want to be more ambitious, a seven-week series on the chakras. And why do this? Well, to, again, to the best way to learn any subject is to learn how to teach it. And if you want to master any subject, you only really need three books on that subject. You might have heard this concept before, and I found it to be incredibly true. Like, if you want to really learn anatomy, 
you can just get three great books on anatomy and you'll learn at least 80%. Like the most essential things that you need to know will be in those books. Again, knowing that they're decent books, they've got good reviews, uh, people highly regard them, you'll be fine. You don't need to read every single book ever written on the chakras to be proficient in them. In fact, just Wheels of Life or Eastern Body, Western Mind, either of those books by Anadia Judith is super comprehensive and plenty to give you a lifetime of things to teach about the chakras and to practice about the chakras. But then if you add two more on top of that, then you've got a really comprehensive, good view and perspective of the chakras. And that same concept holds with any subject you want to learn, any core competence you want to learn. Buy three books on that subject and set a deadline to have turned them into some sort of offering because that's where it really becomes practical and applicable to your life and to others is figuring out how do I take this information and turn it into teaching rather than just taking in more and more information for the sake of information. Number 12 is to try a sequencing app like Tummy. So Tummy.com is a great sequencing app, T-U-M-M-E-E. This is what I have my trainees in the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training use to make their sequences and to really just visualize a class. It's a great, great resource that I wish had existed back way back when I took my first teacher training. We instead were drawing stick figures, which I think is a useful thing you could try doing this year as well. But if you've never used Tell Me, definitely recommend checking it out. There's thousands of sequences on there to give you ideas. I don't use it to actually follow an exact sequence, and I don't recommend that for my trainees. But what I do like about it is you can see so many different poses, and you can easily see how they link together, how they relate to each other, and you can sketch out a class really well in there. I don't recommend using it to put in every single thing in every class, but you can sketch it out of ground poses, standing poses, supine poses, prone poses, and kind of get an idea of the class and get some ideas of poses. And there's some cool, really cool features on there that will suggest the next pose after cat-cow, and it'll suggest the next pose after that. So if you're relatively new to sequencing or getting kind of stuck about what pose to do next and where in a sequence, that will give you lots of ideas. Number 13 is to get insurance or updating your insurance. Especially if you're teaching online, you want to make sure that your insurance provider covers online teaching. And I have used and recommended Be Yogi for many years and been fortunate to become a sponsor for them last year or two years ago. So quietmind.yoga slash insurance is where you can sign up with my link and save some money and help support this podcast and my teachings at no additional cost for you. And they do cover online, I think it's up to $2 million of insurance uh, covering online. So that's really important because online, we don't know what students are doing. We can't see them. So we need to have some sort of insurance to cover that. When it was just in person, of course, I've never had to use my insurance and I haven't had to do it online either. But in person, at least there is a sort of confidence of knowing that I can see everything that everybody's doing and guide them in the right direction. But with online videos, you just don't know. 
So I highly recommend having some sort of insurance to cover your online teaching if you're teaching online on-demand videos. And quietmind.yoga slash insurance is where you can get the one I recommend. But they're all very similar. So whatever one you want to go with is fine. They're all about the same price. But if you want to support the podcast, you can use Be Yogi. And I've never had any issues with them. They're super supportive, awesome, small team of people. So if you want to support them, quietmind.yoga slash insurance. Number 14 is to track your classes in some way this year. So you might make a spreadsheet. You might just make a list. You might use a notebook. You might track your attendance, the theme of the class, uh, whatever it is that you want to focus on. Because what gets measured gets improved. If there's something you're wanting to improve in your teaching this year, you can improve that and measure that progress by tracking it on a spreadsheet or a notebook or however you want to do that that resonates with you. What I've done over the years the most is tracking the class, the location, the attendance, and any notes that I had about the class. And sometimes I'll do things uh, when I was teaching in person to maybe have a free offer for people to join my email list to keep in touch with me. And that is another recommendation I'll have at the end of this is to have an email list. But that's something you can track on this tracker is to see how many people joined your email list at that class. And anything else that you find resonant or important to track. Number 15 is to track your online output. So if you are wanting to teach on YouTube or post to social media a certain amount of times a week or grow your social media following or your YouTube followers or your email list, tracking that. So again, what gets measured gets improved and you can make it kind of a game of just like getting your 200 hours for your YTT. You've got to get all of those 200 hours sort of a game to see like, okay, I got to make sure I get all these numbers. And you can set a goal for your teaching in that similar kind of way of, I want to have three new YouTube subscribers a week or 10 new subscribers a week or 10 new email list signups a week. And these are all people that you can help more and you can provide service to and you can share your teachings with and people who are looking for what it is that you have to offer and because you're tracking it, it becomes more motivating and inspiring to think, well, I want to increase that number this week. That number went down last week. I want to make it go up this week. What can I do to better serve and support people? And all these numbers are just an expression and representation of the level of service that you're providing or not providing. And I often think of what a coach that I listened to years ago would say of, if you are having any sort of issue with money, you can think of like a vending machine, right? A vending machine says out of service when you can't use it. And therefore, no money is coming in, no money is going out, no food is going out, nothing is moving. It's just out of service. And if we as individuals are out of service, the same thing happens. There is no money exchange. There's no goods exchange. Nothing is moving. Everything is just dead and stuck. And if your teaching has started to feel that way, it may be because you've gotten out of service and there's new ways that you can become of service or get back into service to others and begin the flow and the exchange of money, of energy, of services, of resources from you to you through you to be of service. And to track that 
to say, okay, well, this week I made one YouTube video or two YouTube videos or send one email to my list. And next week, maybe improving that or just keeping it consistent and then setting a way for you to track it. So maybe it's in the whole year you want to send 52 emails or post 52 podcasts or whatever it is, and you track that, and then you can see your progress and you can make it sort of a game. And it's a lot more fun and not so much pressure. It's just, am I in service or not? And if I'm not, how can I be of service? Number 16 is to post a Facebook live video. If you've never done that before, just go live on Facebook. Maybe you're teaching about a subject to do with yoga and meditation. Maybe you're teaching a class. And you can expect, if you've never done this before, if you have a small following, that it's not going to be many people seeing it. But if one person sees it, is it helpful? I think so. And if you do it consistently, will more people start to follow you and see it? Absolutely. And you might find that, well, I don't like doing Facebook Lives. I don't want to keep doing this. That's fine. That's just information. And you find, well, maybe there is something that you do want to do. Maybe it's in person. Maybe it's workshops. Maybe it's YouTube videos. Whatever it is, I encourage you to to find the thing. What is the thing that you can do consistently that inspires you and motivates you and helps you serve others? And if you've never tried Facebook Live, you don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. But at least give it a try. It's something to consider this year and to find the things that do resonate with you and focus on doing more of those. But the key is consistency. And this is the thing that I realized years ago is I was trying to get some momentum online or create more online things and wasn't feeling like it was working or people were really caring. And I realized that I was growing classes. So I could always grow a class. If somebody gave me a new class on a schedule, like Sunday at 10 a.m., I'd be there every week, no matter what, and do my best, and do my best to tell them and tell their friends and try to grow the class. And one week, it'd be one person. The next week, nobody. The next week, two people. The next week, nobody. The next week, two people. The next week, three people. Now there's a momentum. It's like, okay, people know they can rely on this class being there. He's here every week. Now it's three people the next week, five people the next week, 10 people the next week, right? So it starts to get this momentum because you're there every week. And if you're not there every week, there's no momentum and people can't plan their lives around it, can't plan their week around it, and can't rely on you to be there. So you need to be somewhere consistently and reliably so people can count on you and come to you and say, oh, she teaches the Hatha class on Sunday mornings. That's where I want to be on Sunday morning. I love the class. I want to be there. And she's there, so I'm going to go. And if you're consistently not there, always subbing the class out, always canceling the class, then nobody can count on you and nobody can plan their schedule around it. So they won't be there and the class will die off eventually. Same thing with online, right? So I realized that was happening in person and I realized the same thing needed to be happening online where I could consistently be somewhere similar time, similar day every week. And with online, it's a little bit looser, a little bit different, but if you can treat it the same way, I found that to be the most helpful, and I've definitely not been perfect with that. If you've been following this podcast, you know that, Uh, but I got really good at that with my astrology podcast, and I'm there every Monday night posting new weekly horoscopes, and that has 
grown the most of any of my podcasts, of course, because it's the most consistent. And I get messages constantly from people about that podcast. And it has the most momentum because it's been the most consistent. And it's had the most growth and the most success on every metric. And I can speak from experience on that way. And I can also tell you from the other side of not being consistent on another output that I've had as much as I want to. And the growth is consummate to that. So you can expect that the more consistent you are, the better the growth and the more growth you can see in the long run. And making it a game really helps with that, like I mentioned earlier. All right, just a few more here. I know this is a long episode, but number 17 is to make a goal to post to social media a certain amount of times. Maybe it's every day for a month. Maybe it's five times a week. Maybe it's once a week. But whatever it is, setting some sort of goal for social media output to be consistent in a way that works for you. And maybe you don't want to use social media. That's totally fine. You can get by without it. But if you do want to use it, setting some sort of goal. Number 18 is to make a YouTube video. If you've never done this before, to consider making your first YouTube video, or if you've done it before, starting to make consistent YouTube videos, maybe once a week, even if it's just five or 10 minutes. In fact, the cool thing about YouTube is it really incentivizes shorter videos. So the algorithm really prefers 10 minute videos. So if you're used to teaching hour long yoga classes, it's not a huge deal to just teach a 10 minute yoga class. And the algorithm prefers that and it makes it a lot easier for you to get started. Number 19 is to make a business website. And this is something that I work with my coaching clients on right away of getting a website on the internet. So a way for people to find you and work with you and join your email list is very, very important in the long run. And it's something that People sometimes overthink, they worry too much about the colors and the layout, but it really can be very simple. It's just who you are, who you help, and how people can work with you. It's all you really need on the website to get started. And Squarespace is a great resource for that. Wix works as well. But whatever it is, making some sort of website on the internet where people can find you. Number 20 is filing paperwork to make an LLC. If you've been doing this for a little while and you want to go a little more legit and you can do things like open a business bank account with an LLC and you can do things like start to hire employees and hire help. And even if you feel like that is way far away for you, why not do it now? It doesn't cost too much money, depends on your state to make the LLC, but that will open up a lot of doors and move you towards more of a professionalism and make you feel more like you are really in a business and you have something building up here. Number 21 is to host some sort of in-person event or workshop. Of course, so much has been online and given all the restrictions and things going on in the world right now, this might not be appropriate for you and where you're at right now. But if it is, and you've been itching to do that, I highly encourage getting out of the typical weekly studio classes approach to teaching and trying to teach a workshop or a special event or something new and different and out of the ordinary as a way to bring people together, build community, and grow your audience and create new things. Especially if you have a specific, unique thing that you want to teach about, like maybe you read those chakra books beginning of the year and now you want to do a special chakra workshop in person or you could do it online too 
but offering something new and unique and different beyond just a regular weekly class. And then finally, number 22 I mentioned earlier is to start an email list if you haven't done this already. This is very important because social media rules are always changing and you might gain a million followers on Instagram, but they change the algorithm overnight and now you're only reaching 100 people. But you have an email list or you have a thousand people on the email list and all of those people will see your email. It will come to the inbox the same as any other email. It will not be filtered out or hidden necessarily. It might be. It might be sent to spam and there's ways to work around that and not make your emails end up in spam filters because you're actually sharing valuable content and it's more of like a conversation rather than pushy sales or anything like that. But regardless, having an email list is one of the most valuable assets that you can have in your business and one of the most essential things to always be building because that is a direct relationship with the people who are most interested in what it is that you have to offer and you can directly reach them when you have things to offer. Unlike on social media where they might miss your posts, they might not even see it at all, or they might see it and it just gets kind of buried in the noise of everything else. That can happen on email too, of course, and emailing and writing good headlines and good emails is a whole art form into itself, and that might be one of the skills that you want to develop this year of copywriting and headline writing and things like that. Uh, but if you don't already have an email list, there's never too late to start. The best time to start is yesterday, and then the second best time to start is today. So start on that and just say, you know, if you want to keep in touch with me, I'll write down your email list and send you some exclusive offers and updates uh, when they become available. However you want to phrase that or word that, but having some way for your students to keep in touch with you is essential. And if you want support on any or all of these things in your business in 2022, you can send me an email to jeremy at quietmind.yoga and we can talk about possibly working together. We'll just hop on a Zoom call, no pressure, no sales, just to see if we are a good fit. I've had people where it's not a good fit and we don't work together. I've had people where it's an excellent fit and we're working together incredibly well and it's super fun for everybody. So... I just want to see if I'm able to help you. I want to help you. And uh, if there's any way I can direct you in the right direction this year, I would love to support you in that. Because ultimately, I feel like yoga teachers are like doctors. We cannot have too many doctors in the world or too many yoga teachers. As long as heart disease is the number one cause of death, that's preventable. That's a preventable cause of death, killing over 2 million people a year. And I want us to create resources for people to regulate their nervous system, to be aware of their body, mind, and breath, to heal pain, to overcome trauma, and to get in their bodies and feel great. And yoga and meditation and pranayama are the best resources to do that. So the more people teaching that, the better. In fact, if every person in the world knew how to teach themselves yoga, I think we could eradicate these preventative, preventable uh, health issues. And I think that is a huge motivation for why I've gotten so into teaching, even back when I started over 10 years ago of teaching, and why I keep doing it and why I don't believe there's any such thing as competition among teachers. 
there is a community of teachers and we all can support and uplift each other and support the world who needs these amazing, amazing techniques that we have access to as teachers that really can seem very esoteric and confusing and secretive and scary and mysterious. And we can make them very, very practical and applicable to everyday life from things as simple as taking a slow, deep breath under stress. If everyone in the world knew the power of that, the power of breathing through your nose, the power of nervous system regulation, right? These are all things that we know as yoga teachers inside and out that we can be helping people who desperately need them right now in the world. And that's my motivation. That's what gets me up to teach and share this stuff every day. So if that feels inspiring to you in some way, I'd love to support you in creating this world where everybody has more access to yoga and more skills in yoga, meditation, and pranayama. And you can email me at jeremy at quietmind.yoga if you want to connect. And otherwise, I look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast.